Thank you for listening to the weekly message from Trinity of Fairview. Here's Pastor Stacy Harris. We'll look at Psalm 100 today. The Psalms itself is a collection of songs and, and poems to be used in a worship setting. It's the songbook or the hymnal, if you will, of uh, the Church of God. It's something that is designed to, to inspire us and equip us to be the people God wants us to be. I think of the Psalms. I, believe, I bet everyone in here has a favorite song. I bet if I were to let you take a turnabout and call out a song that has meant something to you in the years, I bet you could do it. I think of the varied nature of the Psalms. I think of how beautiful some of them are. When you think through them, they're just, they're just beautiful. Psalm 121, I will lift up my eyes into the hills from which cometh my help. My help comes, comes from where? From the Lord, maker of heaven. What a beautiful thought that is in, in every area and instance of life. I look at the Psalms and I think of how elegant they are. Psalm 91, I wonder if there's a, a piece of prose or poetry anywhere in the world that could rival Psalm 91. Speaking of our dwelling place in the shadow of the Most High, speaking of His care for us and man, His protection of us and, and the trust that we can have in Him. Psalm 91, one of the most elegant pieces of literature that's ever been in existence. How comforting they are. I think of Psalm 23. Oftentimes when nothing else will bring comfort to your heart. That is the psalm of comfort, isn't it? The Lord is my shepherd, it says. I, I shall not want. What a thought to think that the good shepherd is watching over you and that you're one of his sheep dwelling in his pasture and that you're in his hand and not even death itself can separate you from him. That he's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. Even when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he is going to be with you. What a, what a comfort that brings to our hearts and our life. Some psalms are challenging. Some song, psalms we have to encounter and grapple with. Men, they challenge who we are and they push us to be more than we thought we could be. They inspire us and equip us at the same time to move on forward in the Lord. Psalm 100, I believe, is one of these psalms. It's certainly one of the favorites in, in the book of Psalms. It's a psalm of thanksgiving. It's entitled that way in the King James. A psalm of praise could rightly be translated a psalm of thanksgiving. Scholars tell me it's the only psalm in the book that's listed that way. A psalm of thanksgiving. Man, our gratitude today should mark us as Christians. Christian people ought to be people of, of thanks. This psalm is about just that. And if we are going to be people of thanks, it needs to be aimed in the right direction. Man, you can think back this week to what you were thankful for. Even today, you can look back to what you were thankful for. The things you have, the relationships in your life, all those good gifts that God's given to you. And yes, we should be thankful for those. But today, this psalm challenges us to point our gratitude where it rightly belongs. And that's toward Jehovah God Himself. Fourteen times in these five verses, the word Lord or the personal pronoun, He, Him, or His, is mentioned. Fourteen times in five scant verses. And the psalmist is inspiring us and challenging us to say, Folks, our gratitude really belongs to Him, and it's really all about Him. It's not about anything else today. Richard Wells, I love this quote. He said, we are fascinated with ourselves. And aren't we sad? 
We look at ourselves and our accomplishments and the things that we've done. We look at ourselves and our intelligence and, and what we've been able to accomplish through that. We look at ourselves and our gifts and our talents and our abilities and we become enamored. He went on to say, but the Psalms, they're fascinated with God. And I like that. Our fascination ought to rise above old things of this world and it ought to fix itself clearly on God, Jehovah Himself. This psalm does that. It challenges us to, to look to our Lord, to look to our King, to look to our Savior, to look to our friend and come to Him with a heart of, of gratitude and thanks and praise. These psalms, were, these psalms were written as songs to be used in a worship service. So today we're going to do something a little different. I just want you to stand to your feet right where you are. We're not going to sing this. I'm not going to try to do that with you. But beloved, we ought to read it with all the zeal and the joy and the enthusiasm that's befitting the king and from a heart of gratitude to him. Let's read together. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. All ye lands, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that has made us and not we ourselves. Now we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. You ought to give the Lord a hand clap of praise, adoration, and thanks for the reading of His Word. I remember some years ago, uh, my dad pastored here, my mom was here before I was ever uh, very old at all. I was a young man and rode all over this country with them. Uh, when, when I didn't have any place else I could be or do, I went with them for sure. I remember on one occasion, dad and I were kind of Talking about this this week and, and going down memory lane. It's been a long time ago. My hair was a lot blonder then than it is now. And it's getting blonde again. Just a different kind of blonde, one might say, if it was really optimistic. But in those days, it was a lot blonder. We were heading down the road. And, and man, we passed this little lady on Mills Gap down here. She was on the side of the road. And as my dad was wont to do, and before very long, he found himself pulled off the side of the road, trying to figure out what was going on with her automobile. We pulled off there and began to check on her and found out she was out of gas. I mean, here I was, a teenager with people to see and places to go, and here's Dad bothering to stop to, to help somebody with some gas. Turns out she didn't have a can, neither did we, so we had to pile back in the car and drive down to the end of, of Mills Gap to the little old Exxon station there where we had to, had to buy a can at twice the price we should have paid for and had to, had to fill it up with gas, and we turned around and went back up Mills Gap and, and got to the lady's car got out and, and took her gas cap off, poured the tank full of gas, every drop we had in that little can. He put the cap back on her tank. He said, honey, fire it up. Let's see if it'll turn over. And boy, it sure did turn over. And as soon as it hit any lick, she jerked it down in drive. And there we stood in a cloud of dust and gravel and smoke. And man, I'm telling you, squalling tires heading down the road there, away from us. There we stood, empty gas can, nothing. Dad just said, well, you know, she could have hung around long enough to at least say thank you. I mean, I didn't do it for that, but it would have sure been nice just to have heard from her, just one word of gratitude. Anything would have been good in this moment. You know, it would have done something for her. I believe if she'd have just stayed around long enough to say, hey, thanks, maybe she was afraid he was going to preach 
steward again because he was wont to do that anywhere we were at. I don't know, but it would have been at least good if she'd have rolled her window down or something and she just taken off and said, thank you, boys, but she didn't. Man, I wonder today sometimes, God doesn't do things in our life. I know sometimes that he's at work in my life. I know sometimes that he's been good to me when he shouldn't have been. I know sometimes that I've depended on him utterly and he has showed up time after time. There's times when he's loved me when he never should have loved me. And the minute I get back on my feet, I find myself standing on the throttle and roaring off into the future without any thought of the God who made it so for me in my life. And church, that ought to be said. The psalmist here says the people of God ought to be marked by a heart of gratitude and thanksgiving. Man, people of glory, grace, yes, but we should be people of gratitude. It should be the theme of who we are, and this psalm challenges us to be so. Number three things I want to show you quickly today. Number one, I want to show you the mandate of our thanksgiving. I want to show you the mandate of our thanksgiving. A mandate is this. It's a command. It's a directive. It's an expectation. When someone mandates something to you, it means this is what you must do. I believe that's what the psalmist is doing right here. I believe the Holy Spirit leading his pen is challenging us and mandating us today to be a people of gratitude. Note the action words that are here, the verbs, if you will. Just a cursory look. He says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come, all these action verbs, strong verbs, know ye that the Lord, he is God. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. It says, be thankful unto him and bless his name. Those are words that are mandates. They're not merely suggestions. They're God's expectation for us. Now there's a raging debate about what a speed limit sign's good for. Do you know that? There's a raging debate about what they mean. Now I hear everything about what a speed limit sign means in my life. You know, I'm just foolish enough to believe it. If it says 55, that's what you ought to drive. That's just the way I've always done it. But that's, that's not what I hear from folks. I hear all the time, and maybe you feel this way. Some people say, hey, they give you what? They give you five miles an hour. If it says 55, you can go 60. The speed limit's really 60. If a sign says 55, you can go 60. They're not going to bother you. I've heard these little catchy phrases that we've got. I've heard eight, you're fine, and what? Nine, you're mine. I've heard that. If you're at eight miles an hour, you're good. But the minute your needle hits nine, beloved, you've crossed into the danger zone. So if the speed limit's 60, you're good to 68, really. I mean, let's interpret that for our own selves. I've heard 10 miles an hour. Hey, they don't even begin to look at you until you go 10 miles an hour over. But I challenge you, the next time a patrolman stops you for speeding, I say to him, you mean you really expected me to go as fast as a sign was telling? I thought that was just a suggestion. I had one guy tell me, Pastor, speed limit signs are not expectations. They're not laws. They're just suggestions. It depends on your driving ability and how comfortable you are. They're just out there to keep you safe. That's all they're good for. Tell the patrolman that and see what he does for you. I bet he writes you a ticket and says they're a whole lot more than a suggestion. They're an expectation. And see, the psalmist is here saying, man, I'm talking about a whole lot more here than just a suggestion in your life. I'm not saying we'll praise the Lord if you feel like it. I'm not saying we'll praise the Lord, man, if the opportunity seems appropriate. I'm not saying we'll praise the Lord so you can say, well, okay, maybe I'll do that later. Good suggestion. Maybe I'll get back to it. He's saying, no, praise Him. Honor Him and thank Him. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving. Into His courts with praise. And bless His name. That's what I expect you to do as my people. 
A mandate is here. Beloved for us, church, our mandate is to be a joyfully thankful people and to bless His name, to express our gratitude unto God at every opportunity. I wonder if we know that when we assemble in this house, the reason that we've come here is to thank and honor and praise the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, Pastor, I come for the fellowship. That's great. You should. Man, the fellowship of the brethren is great. That's part of who we are. Pastor, I come to learn. Yes, you should. You should come to learn from the Word of God. Learn from the preaching of God. Let the Holy Ghost teach you the things of God. Yes, you should. That's part of it. But, beloved, don't you ever forget that the real reason for the corporate gathering of the body is to honor and praise and glorify the name of Jesus and thereby tell Him, thank you, thank you, thank you, Father, for who you are and for what you've done in my life. There's a mandate here, beloved, to the church. He's saying, this is not a suggestion I'm making. This is an expectation from me in your life. Secondly, I want you to see the manner of our thanksgiving. That's in verses 1 through 4. I'm going to quickly pull out four things. The psalmist doesn't just say thank him. The psalmist doesn't, psalmist doesn't just say bless him. He tells us how to do it. First of all, he says you ought to do it audibly. I love verses 1 and 2. Now, you've heard this a lot. You don't have to be able to sing. You just have to be able to make a what? Joyful noise. That's what everybody says. Hey, I'm just making a joyful noise. And man, I'm in that category. I'm just trying to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. All you land. Serve the Lord. Man, when we do it audibly, it's a service to the Lord. And we do it with gladness. He says, come before His presence with what? Singing. He's talking about an audible offering of thanksgiving unto Him. Now, there is certainly, I, I will not argue, that there are not certainly times in your life where His presence is so great. And He has done something for you so great that, man, you're just all struck and you can't utter a word. You might be trying to tell him thank you, but the words just aren't there. There are times when the, he moves on you so so powerfully that the flesh just has to be still in his presence. I've been there just a few times in my life when I've been trying to tell him thank you with my mouth and trying to tell him thank you somehow in an audible way, but I just can't. All I can do is with my heart cry out to him and say, Father, I love you and thank you for what you're doing for me and who you are in my life. But beloved, most of the time that isn't the case. Most of the time we have a voice. Most of the time we have the ability to audibly praise Him, to audibly sing His praises, to audibly tell Him, I thank you. Uh, one scholar said this, the, the wording here, make a joyful noise, could rightly be translated, shout unto the Lord with joy. Shout unto the Lord with joy. Come into His presence with singing. He said it's the same terminology that they would have used as if a king would have appeared unto His people when they were gathered together. And God is saying here, church, I am your king. And when you gather together, there I manifest myself in your presence in the person of the Holy Spirit. And he said, you oughtn't to be able to sit down in your seat and say nothing. He said, when I show up, you ought to stand to your feet. You ought to praise me. You ought to shout with joy. Now, sometimes I'm guilty of leading you a little too hard. I'll admit that. But today, I'm going to let the psalmist lead you. He has challenged you today that when you come together as a body of Christ, that what's due the Lord is not a quiet praise, but a shout of praise and thanksgiving to His name. So I'm going to challenge you. If you've got to get on your face, stay in your seat, stand up, I don't care. Just do something as a shout of praise and thanksgiving unto the Lord Jesus Christ in this house today. It's a mandate and an expectation from our Father that we thank Him and praise Him for who He is and what He has done in our midst. He's worthy of it, beloved. 
glad this isn't a quiet house. I'm glad for that. There's a lot of places I'd be shouting by myself. So I'm glad you don't leave me out here on my own. He says, do it audibly. Man, can you imagine what the noise will be like in that kingdom? Could you dare to let your mind and your spirit go there? Can you imagine what the noise will be like when the bridegroom has his bride complete and gathered unto himself. And man, there we are fixing to eat the marriage supper of the Lamb with him. Can you imagine what the noise will be like when the King of kings and the Lord of lords steps to the head of the table and we sup with him throughout all eternity and glorify him in honor and praise him? Boy, I can't imagine it, but I'm going to be there and I'm going to be a part of it, beloved. And I'll not quiet on that day. I'll holler and sing and shout and dance praises under the name of Jesus Christ. He says, church, it ought to be an audible praise. Secondly, we need to do it gladly. He says, not grudgingly or out of obligation or half-heartedly. You need to do it joyfully in verse 1. He says, serve the Lord with gladness in verse 2. Man, we bring him the service of our offering of praise gladly into his presence. Man, I have people sometimes say, Pastor, will you accompany me down here to this restaurant to eat? I've heard this about it, and man, it is wonderful. And I thought of you, I'd love for you to go. And man, I say something like this, well, if I have to. <laughs> if I have to. I'll take one for the team, I guess. If I really, if it'll mean something to you, I'll, I'll go down there. Do that with you. No, I don't say that at all. I say hallelujah. Let's get a reservation. Let's get on the calendar. Let's find a time that we can do that. It may take a little while, but we'll go do it. I guarantee you. It may take a while. Man, I do it gladly and joyfully. I'm just here to tell you that. And man, when we come to church, we ought to come gladly and joyfully. When we come into his house to praise him, we ought not be here today out of obligation or to, or to meet some kind of expectation we've set for ourselves. We ought to come today gladly and joyfully. I believe the greatest outreach to the church of Jesus Christ would ever have is if people driving by on Sunday morning watched us get out of our cars and said, man, those people are so glad to go to church. Those people are so happy and so joyful. Man, they're happy about something. I'm going to stop by and see what it is. I believe that'd be a mighty outreach tool for the kingdom of God. If the people of God would just be glad and joyful when they came to his house. He's saying, listen, don't bother if it's bothering you. I want those to come and praise me that are happy and that are seizing an opportunity to do it at every hand's turn. Do it audibly. Do it gladly. Third, do it knowledgeably. Verse 3 says this, Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It's he that made us and not we ourselves. We're his people and the sheep of his pasture. I wrote this down. Don't come and offer him some ignorant kind of praise. Either. Don't come and offer him some ignorant kind of, of thanksgiving. Come knowing some things when you come to his throne. There are some things in this life I'm gladly ignorant of. I'm just honest with you. There are some things I don't want to know about. There are some things I don't want to ever know about. There are some things I'm glad I just don't know about. One of them is what goes on in an operating room. Let me tell you something. I don't want to know anything about what they're going to do to me when they get in the back. I remember when I had my gallbladder act, Dr. Humble sat down and said, let me explain what's going on. I said, I don't need to know what's going on. After it was over, he said, we have a video of it. Would you like to take it home? I said, absolutely not. Are you crazy? I don't want to know what went on in there. All I want to do is get the feeling better and get home somehow. That's all I want to know. There's some things I'm glad to be ignorant of. I'm here to tell you something we can't afford to be ignorant of. It's what kind of praise and thanksgiving we bring and what kind of God we bring you to. 
He says, know ye when you come. Come with the clear knowledge that you're coming to God himself. He is God. He is the creator of this universe. It's he that made us. And look in the word verse. I think it's just telling. And we didn't make ourselves. We belong to him. We are his, is what it says, literally. We are his in the sheep of his pasture. Now, there's a thought process and a movement that's afoot today. And they're teaching it as fact in every college and every university and probably every high school and every elementary school in this land right now. They're teaching it not as a theory. They're teaching it as a born fact that somehow all of this just came together. You know what they're teaching? That we created ourselves. They're saying that somehow flesh created itself. Somehow flesh in all of its glory and honor, the divine energy that was within it, somehow all those atoms just clung together and somehow all those things just decided to happen and, and somehow over a long period of time, here we are just as we are. Let me tell you something clearly from this pulpit. You may not agree with me, but I'm just going to be bold this morning. That's a lie right out of the pits of hell. There's no truth to it at all. Don't you believe it? I'm going to tell you the truth. God is God. It was He that was there before time began and it's he that made us we didn't make ourselves he did it he moved, moved in that creative power and fashion to bring us just as we are before him and the psalmist says when you come come with the absolute knowledge knowing that you are coming to the sovereign lord and creator of this universe when you praise him Amen. come with a knowledgeable praise lastly come with a personal praise verse 4 says this enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. You enter as implied in all those. You be thankful unto him. You bless his name. You come in and give him thanks. The implication is you need to do this. You collectively, yes, but you personally. There's nothing like, is there? A personal thank you. There's nothing like when you get a card and someone has handwritten something in it. That's a personal thank you. That means something. There's nothing like when somebody comes up to you and grabs you by the hand or hugs you around the neck and says, thank you. There's nothing like that in your life. Man, it'll, it'll bless you beyond measure. And see, the other ways are good, but a personal way is best. The Lord is expecting from His people a personal note of thanks. You got things to thank Him for that I don't even know about. And He's saying, come into my presence. Press past. He's saying keep pressing through the gates. Keep pressing past even the courts and come into my very presence face to face and there personally thank me for what I've done for you. Now I can do that today in the spiritual realm. Beloved, one of these days, I walk into His presence not just in a spiritual way. I'll walk into His presence in some physical way that I don't understand yet, but I will be there in some physical way. And the first thing I'm going to do is fall at his feet. And I'm going to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. He says, when we come here, we ought to bring some personal things to give the Lord thanks for. Some corporate things to be sure God has blessed us as a body. But man, hasn't he blessed you personally today? Can't you in your life look back and say, God, you've blessed me. God, you've been good to me. God, at every hand's turn. <coughs> Lastly, I want you to see the motivation. Mandate, good. The manner, good. I want you to see quickly in closing the motivation for our thanks. That's in verse 5. I look at the scripture a little different sometimes than most people. I look at what God might have done. He could have 
easily ended this psalm at the end of verse 4 and it would have been beautiful. It would have been wonderful. It would have been inspiring. It would have been equipping. But he added verse 5. He says, for. You know what he's saying? Do all this. Do all this, but do it for a reason. There's a good reason to do it all. Let me inspire you just a little bit. I've equipped you and I've challenged you, but let me just inspire you a little bit. He said, let me give you some motivation for our thanks. And let me ask you again. Is there anyone here who would raise their hand today and say, I have plenty of reasons to give the Lord thanks and honor and praise because He's blessed me in my life personally. All those blessings that you can count have root in verse 5. He tells us a threefold motivation, if you will. We ought to thank Him, number one, for His inherent goodness. He says, for God is what? Good. God is good. What a declaration, man, to be able to say, God is good. How many of y'all are glad He's not evil today? I'm glad that he's, he's good to us today. And He's inherently good. I'm glad He's been good to me. I can look back in my life and I can say God has been good to me. We have a group of people that go to the prison on Monday nights and minister there. They have for a lot of years. And man alive, we, we go up there and, and I've been fortunate enough to preach there on a handful of occasions. And if you walk into that gathering of Christians right there and you say God is good, you know what they're going to say? All the time. I mean, you might have had something else to say, but beloved, you might as well close your mouth for just a little bit because if you say God is good, you have prompted them to respond to you. They're going to say all the time. So, hey, let's be craggy correctional facility here for just a few minutes today. If I were to say God is good, you'd say all the time out loud. I guarantee you would. So I'm going to say God is good. All the time. Amen. And that ought to be the hallmark of our reason to give Him thanks. In any situation, any moment, he always reacts. Good. Doesn't Romans tell us that all things work together what? For our good. Our good. And that's our Heavenly Father. He's man, you ought to praise Him, beloved. Why? Because He is inherently good. Can anybody in here give Him a praise because He's been good to you today? Is there anybody that can say, He's been good to me? God. Secondly, because of His eternal love. Aren't you glad He loves you today? Man, what a motivation to thank Him. If you don't have anything else in the world to thank the Lord for today, you ought to thank Him because He loves you. I'm glad today He has not dealt with me in the way that He should have. He's dealt with me according to His love. The Word says, I've not dealt with you according to your iniquities, but according to my mercy. And the Word says here we ought to praise Him because of His everlasting and eternal mercy, love, and grace. You say, Pastor, I don't know if He loves me. Well, I'm here to tell you He does. The greatest thing I can tell you today is that there is a God in this universe and that He loves you. He loves you in spite of you. He loves you just like you are. And He loves you too much to leave you like you are. Lost and undone without Him. You say, how do I know He loves me? Well, just look around you a little bit. We're celebrating the Christmas season, the coming of the King. The Word became flesh and it dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, John said. The only reason that He came is because He loves you. We look at the cross of Jesus Christ and we can't help but see the fact that God loves us right there. He loves us so much that He gave His only Son. Isn't that what John 3.16 says? As a demonstration of that love for all to see. God loves you. Look at the cross. Look at the conquest of the grave. The reason that He came out victorious over death, hell, and the grave is so that He could love you 
freely and without reserve in the way that he intended to, to take care of that barrier and pour out his love into your life every minute of every hour of every day. What about the comforter? How about the Holy Spirit that's in your life that walks with you and talks with you and teaches you and inspires you and covers you? Man, the Holy Spirit will love you like nobody's ever loved you before. If you don't believe he loves you, just ask for a hug from the Holy Ghost every now and then and he'll show up and love you in a way that nobody else could ever love you on this planet. God has done everything. He's even made a promise that all throughout eternity he's made a place for you to dwell alongside him. Jimmy Swagger used to sing, if that isn't love, that isn't love. I don't know what it is. God has proven his love over and over and over. Those things, yes, but I can go into my life and I can see time after time after time that God had loved me. And the psalmist said, that ought to drive That ought to drive you to enter his gate with thanksgiving and run into his courts with praise. Lastly, and in closing, he says you ought to love him because of his comprehensive and ever-enduring faithfulness. He said, man, he's going to be faithful. That's where truth can be well translated faithful. His faithfulness endures to all generations. He's going to be there for you all the time. He always has been. He is today and he always will be. God's going to be faithful to his promises and he's going to be faithful to his people. He always has been and he always will be. I stayed home on Black Friday. My dear wife and and a, and a wonderful, marvelous lady friend of hers went out shopping together. I remember her kissing me before she left. I do remember that. I didn't see her, though, till maybe 11.30, 11.45 that night. Man, they had a time. You know what I did? I stayed home and read and studied and played with the dog and watched a little basketball on TV. Did ate turkey and ham and leftovers. Man, I did all I wanted to do that day. Man, I was watching basketball and got a little little boring point, so I got to flip it through the channels. I got to WGN. Guess what was on? A Walker Texas Ranger Marathon. How many of y'all ever, man, I love that show. Man, it came on. I was hooked, beloved. They showed every episode they ever made, man. Through the weekend, Walker, Texas Ranger. I mean, from episode one where he was driving the blue GMC. I don't know if y'all remember that. I mean, he drove a Dodge in the later one, but in the early ones, he drove a blue GMC, man. I, I thought, wow, this is, this is a great day. Man, Walker shows up every time. He's always on time, right? When all hope is lost, in comes Walker to save the day. He'll whip a hundred people if he has to. He'll kick their teeth out and wear them down to a nub, man. People with machine guns don't stand a chance against this guy. He comes out victorious. I watched them all. Never see him even lose a fight. Didn't get hit but a time or two that I saw, really, honestly. Man, there's one episode they kidnapped Alex, more than one, and I wonder who's thinking right. Why would you kidnap his girlfriend? I mean, hey, do anything, but don't mess with his woman. He's surely going to come and get you if you mess with his woman. They were locked in a little jail cell. Man, they were coming down to kill her about five minutes in the episode, so I paid attention. I knew something big was going to happen. And man, she was just looking out through those bars and she could hear the footsteps drawing close on the other end and looking through the bars outside. And she was just canning to herself, recanting this truth to herself. Walker's out there, she'd say. Walker's out there. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be okay. Walker is out there somewhere. It's going to be okay. And you know what? He showed up, beat that guy like a sack of taters and left him laying there, grabbed her and kissed her right on the mouth. I said, hallelujah and glory to God. There's my hero right there. 
wish I could be him. Ever faithful, you can depend on him. You know, I know that's a fairy tale that's made up beyond belief. But I'm going to tell you the God of heaven is more faithful than walk with a Texas Ranger ever had time to be. He's there all the time. He's behind you, in front of you, beside you, above you. He knows what's going on in your life. He always has. He knows what's ahead of you. You know what? I love that old song. I know who holds tomorrow, and I know who holds my hand. Listen, there's many things I don't know about it, but I know who's got it in the palm of his hand, and I know who's got me by the hand, and he's going to walk me through it every step of the way. I love that old song, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Oh, God, my Father, what does it say? There is no shadow of turning with thee. All I have needed, what? Your hand is provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. And the psalmist said, because of his enduring and everlasting and true faithfulness in your life, you ought to praise him and you ought to honor him and you ought to give him thanks. You know what? Our entire eternity is staked upon the faithfulness of God. If he's not faithful, we're in trouble. But I'm glad today that he has proven himself to be saved. He always has been, he is today, and he always shall be faithful. Is there anybody in here today that could look in your life time after time, even when you didn't understand it, even in those hard moments, and, and you'd have to say, you know what, through it all, through it every bit, God was, he was faithful to me. He was there. We ought to be people of thanksgiving. A psalm of, of thanksgiving. Thanksgiving ought to hallmark who we are. We ought to be people of gratitude. And our gratitude needs to be rightly aimed. We should be thankful for all the things God has given us. And all the things God has done. But what the psalmist is saying in verse 5. Is we ought to be thankful. That he is God. That he is God. We hope you've been blessed by today's message. If you'd like to find out more about Trinity of Fairview, visit us online at trinityoffairview.org or call 828-628-1188.